Beloved, in view of these developments that have recently occurred, I have decided to preach you a different sermon this morning from the one that I plan to give you. This is, of course, a special day for us, and we are to have a canvas this afternoon of all of our homes in behalf of our church and our building, and we have some $216,000 that we still owe ourselves on this property. And as I pointed out in the letter I wrote you all, we've spent already over a million dollars on what we have. And, uh, of course, we're going to be absent one or two canvassers anyhow because of this accident that took place. But we'll need everybody, and don't you folks leave the house until our canvassers come, and let's have a wonderful afternoon of prayer and fellowship and testimony together as a church. But I have something else for you. Let's turn to the last book in the Bible, Revelation 22. And in the sixth verse, And he said unto me, These words are faithful and true. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. Of course, that refers to the whole Bible. There's no question about that. It refers to the whole book of Revelation. There's no question about that. But in this immediate context, it refers to what is on the other side. Here we have a description of conditions that prevail just on the other side. The other side of the valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Just on the other side. And as you read through this 22nd chapter of the book of Revelation, you come to the great climax in which the Spirit of God is speaking and we read, Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. The entrance into the city. The great climactic experience in which we take leave of these cities and this world and this darkness and we find ourselves into the presence of a holy and an eternal city. And we find ourselves in the twinkling of an eye in the very presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We've come to the climax. We're coming to the end of all God's dealings with this old earth, with its curse and with its judgment. And if you'll notice in verse 3, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, 
For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These words are faithful, and these words are true. Now there are four things in that passage that I want to bring before us which will bless our souls in hours like this. In the first place, there is no more curse. Everything that you and I have to deal with is under a curse at the present time. The ground is cursed, brings forth thistles and briars, weeds. Man is cursed. That curse rests upon woman in her childbearing, we see it. That curse rests upon man in the labor and the sweat of his brow. And beloved, a curse has been pronounced upon this old earth in which you and I live. And it is a judgment which was deserved in that man sinned against God, his maker, and his creator. And the wages of sin is death. And the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness. And you and I live in a world that is under a curse. And that curse has extended itself into the heart of man. And out of the heart of man come all these evil deeds and these evil surmisings. And consequently, you and I, as we see the Spirit of God lifting up from the world in this day of apostasy, we're witnessing more outward expression of the physical violence that reflects the curse that's in the heart of man. And beloved, this whole world, right in the days in which you and I live, is reflecting the awful corruption, the awful sin, the awful dislocations that prevail in the relationships of men and nations. And the reason for it is the curse that is on the ground. Now, beloved, when you look at the curse and what it's done to this old world of ours, do you know I've never heard anybody say in all my years when one of our church members or one of our loved ones slips away through the door of death or when some sudden accident falls in the providence of God and we're taken away. I've never heard anybody say they wanted to bring them back. And believe me, when Carl McIntyre goes and the Lord takes me into the presence of the Lord, don't anybody say we'd like to have him back because I don't want to come back. Beloved, we're taken out of a curse we're taken out of a world with its sin and its misery and its disasters and their tragedies. And the struggle is over and we've gone into the presence of the Lamb in whose name we have sought to live. And consequently when God in his providence, when some accident takes a, a sudden toll of someone out of our family or out of our midst to someone close to us and we feel those of us who've been especially close to sudden shock, and I can tell you people today that your pastor has felt the loss of evangelist Harvey Springer. I felt that very, very keenly. 
in the sudden way in which God took him and then he's no longer in our councils and in our associations where we needed him so badly. But never for one minute would we think of asking for evangelist Harvey Springer to come back from the dead and come here and carry on this ministry. He's gone into the presence and he has left the curse. He has left the curse. It's no longer about. And there is no curse on the other side. Now if you'll turn here please into the latter part of this uh, 22nd chapter and we read, For without our dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. That's what you people are in right now. You're in that kind of situation. Our world is just full of men that love to make lies and they're lying to us all the time. Our world is just full of this whoremongering and our world is just full of this uh, new morality and our world is just full of this sort of thing. Murderers and sorcerers and idolaters. There's a description. The 15th verse of that 22nd chapter. For without are these things and let's be delivered of it and go into that place where there's no more curse. You know, at this point, it's, perhaps it would be well to stop. We say we believe in a millennium and the Lord's going to come and the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth and the uh, leopard and the lamb are going to sit down together and the little child is going to put his hands on the hole of the asp and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. Do you know why that's going to be possible during the millennium? Because the only power in all the universe that can deal with this curse is going to lift it. He's going to lift it. And this change which is to take place during the millennium will take place because the Son of God who holds all the reins of government will be able to relax that and lift that curse. And during the millennial reign, you'll see a condition here upon the earth where the knowledge of the Lord will cover this earth like the waters cover the sea. But this particular passage is speaking of heaven, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, the place where you and I are going to abide. And into that place we shall go in that moment that our Savior calls us from this world of sin. There shall be no more curse. Now we come to the second great revelation. But the throne of God, of the Lamb, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be upon their foreheads. Beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ died for you. He came and shed his blood for you that he might redeem you to himself and for his glory and the redemptive work which he has wrought in you and me isn't just for 60 years. It isn't just for 75 years. It isn't just for the little wee period and I picked up that word over in Ireland the we this and the we that. For the little wee period that we have here at this particular time, beloved, the work that Christ did for you on the cross of Calvary, he did it for all eternity. 
and the work that he did for you and me in delivering us of our sins was a work that brought us to himself. And the one person that the Lamb of God wants us to behold and wants us to see is Jesus Christ. No one else. No wonder uh, the apostle said, to be absent is to be present. I have a desire to depart and be with Christ. And when you get into this great passage here at the very close of Revelation, the final great apocalyptic vision of heaven itself, there's the Lamb, and here's his face, and we shall behold his face and look upon this one who died for us. Oh, we live in a world that's cursed. And with its tragedy and its pain and its misery and its heartbreak and its disillusionments. But beloved, when that door of death opens and we enter into the presence of the Lamb and we behold the face of Jesus Christ, oh, that will be glory for me. You know, after I was over in Ireland this past week and we preached there last Sunday... And I heard some of these Irish preachers. They've got the youngest core of preachers I've ever seen. 22, 23 years of age. Strong fellas. They preach out in the fields and they have a foghorn of a voice. And these young fellas, they preach. And they preach against hell. And they preach against apostasy. And they preach against the prime minister. And they preach against the uh, uh, ecumenical movement. There's nothing they don't preach against. I never saw such preachers in my life. But beloved, as they preach this message, people are brought under conviction. And they're leaving that apostasy. And he gives the invitation in every meeting, everywhere they go, people are coming to accept the Lord Jesus Christ and receive the gift of everlasting life. The Saturday night that we were there, Paisley left us out at the hotel about 12.30. We never went to bed out there until 12.30 or 1 o'clock. The Irish don't go by our clock. They have a different combination. But anyhow, he let us out and he went back to his home. And Paisley's home is on 24-hour guard by the police. He's guarded and protected day and night because of the fear of damage to his life. And when he got back there that night after 12 o'clock, 12.30, 1 o'clock, there was a car parked out alongside of his house. And of course, that's always suspicious. One Paisley drove up, he saw this car, and in the car there was a man. And the man said, Mr. Paisley? And Paisley said, yes. He said, what do you want? He says, I have been under such a burden, and I've got to get this burden lifted. And I know of nowhere I could come and I want you to tell me how I can find my Christ. And after midnight out there with the guards watching the place, Paisley led that man to Jesus Christ. And he told him how to be saved. And he was saved when he believed the message of everlasting life. And he was born into the kingdom of God. And I want to say to you, beloved, that is the great issue of the meeting in Ireland. Salvation. How are you saved? Does the church save you? No, the blood saves you. How are you saved? Does the ecumenical movement unite you to Christ? No, you're united to Christ by the Spirit of God. How are you saved? You are saved, beloved, when you hear the word of God. 
and the Word of God goes into your heart and the Spirit of God gives you faith and you become a child of God and you're a child of God for all eternity. And the great issue over there in North Ireland is this ecumenical movement. The great building of this world church. Oh, they're just talking up this togetherness on every side. And here I come back to my own town and I learned that right down here in Haddonfield next Sunday afternoon they're going to have a great Protestant Roman Catholic meeting in Haddonfield in the high school. And the Roman Catholic priest in the area, a gentleman by the name of McIntyre, is going to hold forth next Sunday afternoon in Haddonfield for the people. And I hope you don't get him mixed up with me. Now, let me give you two things in this regard that will be of great interest. Over in Ireland, the papers came out last Saturday. The Roman Catholic Bishop of Cork made a great speech. And he was answering the Roman Catholics who say that the Roman Catholic Church is changing. And the Roman Catholic Church has given up her doctrine. And this is what he said, quote, In a word after the council, just as before it, there was only one true church. That church was the Catholic Church. And no one could be saved who through his own fault was outside of it. Now that was in the paper last when we were there. And in the same statement, this bishop of Cork said, quote, We have all to remember the renewal called for by the council. Second Vatican Council does not involve the discarding, watering down, or explaining away of any defined Catholic teaching whatsoever. End of quote. And with all this affirmation, one thing is clear, the world knows where the Roman Catholic Church stands and the world knows what the Roman Catholic Church is trying to do, but the world doesn't know where Protestantism stands. The world does know where the separatist movement stands and where those of us who believe this Bible to be the Word of God, where we stand in preaching this message of salvation. Beloved, salvation does not belong to the Roman Catholic Church. Salvation is in the grace of God, and you don't have to be in the Roman Catholic Church to be saved or anybody's church to be saved. The only thing that will save you is the power of the gospel when you believe it, and your soul is regenerated generated by the mighty workings of the Spirit of God. I came back to my own country and my own town and a local paper has a big story, Catholics reject club charge and all of a sudden it's finally come out into the open that there's great disturbance inside the Roman Catholic Church all around us here. Part of it's because a lot of Roman Catholics don't want the Roman Catholic Church to have a part in trying to put radio station WXUR off the air. But may I read you down toward the end of this story in our own local paper, quote, I don't think the Catholic Church is becoming more Protestant, end of quote, Father Gunther said. 
And here you've got it in the United States, they're not changing. Here you've got it in Ireland, they're not changing. And then you go over to Great Britain, and here were the two great stories on the front page of the paper. May I read it? Church Unity Talks. Preliminary talks aimed at uniting the world's 550 million Roman Catholics and 45 million Anglicans will be held in Italy next January, the Vatican announced yesterday. So here it is, the whole Anglican communion, the Episcopal Church as we call it in this country, moving for a reunion and a return to the Roman Catholic Church. And while all this is going on, we're being told that you can't be saved outside of it. And while all this is going on, we're being told that they haven't become more Protestant. You can understand this man, Paisley, beloved. You can understand these fiery preachers of North Ireland when they take this book in their hands and they're going out into the highways and the hedges and they're going into their churches and they're telling everybody over there that the only way you can see the face of Jesus Christ is to have your sins cleansed by his blood. And they're preaching that evangel. And then they're telling everybody everywhere to be separate from this apostasy. Not to be entangled again in these relationships of sin which the Bible forbids and God calls his people to be a holy, a separate, and a peculiar people. They shall see his face. And if you want to see the face of Jesus Christ, my friend, Jesus Christ must first cleanse you of your sins. And you must realize that you are a sinner. Last Saturday week, we went way up to the northern coast of Ireland. You could hear the waves just a little away. And they took us into a free Presbyterian church, a new church. They'd taken an old garage and made it into a church. And it was the cleanest thing. There's one thing I can tell you people about these Irish. They're the cleanest people in the world. I guess they're next to the Scotch. They're the cleanest people. Their churches are clean. Everything they have is so fresh and clean. And they took us into this old garage, mind you. And they had a great welcome home service for the three jailbirds. Three of their preachers had been in jail for three months and now they're having welcome home services all over Ireland. And I went there and we stood there and preached to that congregation that night. And believe me, beloved, these people just hang on the words of the gospel. They're anxious to hear this message that's going to pardon their sins and take them home to be with Christ where they'll spend eternity beholding the face of Jesus Christ. They're anxious to hear it. And one man came up to me and said, Dr. McIntyre, I'm so glad to hear you. I'm glad to see you. He says, my wife and I, we listen to you every Sunday night. Your shortwave service from Collingswood comes into our home here. We have a shortwave and we listen to you every Sunday night. Another man came up to me. He says, Dr. McIntyre, he says, I want to shake hands with you. He says, your church in Collingswood means an awful lot to us over here. You have no idea how we, how we look to you people there in America who've been through this fight ahead of us. And I says, thank you, sir. He says, I want to tell you, he says, I was a drunk. I was a rowdy. I was in prison. They threw me in jail. He says, I was a wicked man. Until I heard one of these preachers say... If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. 
Behold, all things are become new. And he said, I put my faith in the Son of God. He says, I've never touched another drop of booze from that day to this. And he says, now I'm one of the elders of the church. And his face just beamed. And he shook my hands and he says, Dr. McIntyre, keep up your fight for the gospel. Beloved, we're going out today to raise a collection for this church, for our building fund. We don't put too much stock in buildings anyhow. We never have. They're just incidental. They're nice to have. All our stock is in the eternal issues. Everything. We've always preached it. And God says, if you'll seek first the things of my kingdom... I'll build you churches for you. I'll take care of these things for you. And what amazes me about you people to whom I've been ministering this word, and you've been receiving it, and it's working as your heart is, that you people seem to be unlimited givers. You just give, and you give, and you give, and you keep on giving. Somebody says to me, you know, Dr. McIntyre, I don't think your people have any more money. I says, you wait till the next collection, you'll see. You just watch these people give. And you know, I get up on the radio. Yesterday I got up on the radio and was asking for some funds about the matter in England. I thought we'd get some other folks. And lo and behold, some of my own members called up and said, I'll give you 10 pounds. Beloved, when you are a child of God, you love the work of God. When you know what God is doing in our day and you're standing for the name of Jesus Christ, What's your money? That's nothing. He wants your life. He wants your soul. He wants your years. He wants you for eternity. And so when we have this question of tithing, that's not a problem with us. We just do it. The Lord wants us to do it. And we have a great joy in giving to the Lord the first fruits of all our increase. And we need things about the church and we've got to pay off our obligations. Well, we'll pay them off. And I've told you people, nobody's going to pay for this church but us. Do you think the modernist would pay for our church? Do you think the ecumenical movement would pay for our church? Do you think these dreamers that talk about all this great social action program would pay for our church? No, they wish that even you wouldn't pay for it. They wish that nobody would pay for it. They wish that you people would just forget about what Dr. McIntyre is preaching and what the Bible Presbyterian Church stands for and what the Free Church of Ireland stands for and what the International Council of Churches stands for. But you'll never forget these things as long as you hold on to this blessed book because it's from this blessed book that we've received our message and we've learned the commandments of Christ. All right, now what's the fourth thing we have here in this blessed text? The fourth thing is, his servant shall serve him. Some of you people have gotten the idea that when you die and go to heaven, you're going to fold your hands. And that's the rest, rest of your life. You're going to sit around and do nothing. Beloved, if you think that we've been busy down here, you don't know anything yet. You just wait till you get the kind of a body that's got all kinds of power in it and you'll be busier than you are today. His servant shall serve him. And you and I who have been redeemed by the blood, we're going to carry out the mission and the commandments that our Savior gives us throughout all the ages of the ages of the ages. 
I think we've got a couple of these Gemini astronauts floating around out there today. I think they're still up there. Everybody's listening, talking to them. And they said yesterday they had a very unusual experiment, you know. They took off the hatch and got outside and took a picture of the eclipse of the sun. The moon passed between the sun and the earth and they diverted their course so they could go down in Brazil and get a picture of this thing. And they're going to get a look at the heavens now without the interferences of our atmosphere. And then they went on to tell us that one of the astronauts was taking visions of the stars, pictures of the stars. And the other one, he was looking at the earth for the geologist and one of them was serving the cause of the the astronomers. And we were told that no, that they've gotten outside the circle of the earth out there in the heavens they can take pictures and they might come up with some ideas as to how it all originated now isn't that magnificent that they finally got outside the earth where they can take a look at the stars and they'll finally come up with some idea how it might have originated Beloved, it was all created by the word of the living God. And he's our father. It was all brought into existence by the almighty power of the God of the universe. And this is the God who sent his son to deal with the curse that's upon you. This is the God who sent his son to rise from the dead. So when tragedy comes, we look beyond the moment and the sorrow, and we look into heaven's glory itself, and we know that there's a day of resurrection coming, and it's just ahead of us. His servant shall serve him. You know, I like to stop at this point. I don't know what I'm going to do when I get into heaven. Maybe I'll have a 20th century interplanetary broadcast. I don't know. But I know I'm going to be busy when I get up there. It's going to be the greatest joy. No curse, no limitations, none of these uh, problems of having to worry about what you eat or where you sleep. You won't have to waste time sleeping. You're going to have the most marvelous experience when we get on the other sides and the new heavens and the new earth and the Lord says, I'll give you command over ten kingdoms and you can have five and you can have one. And when the whole universe and the expanse of all of its glory is cleansed of all the scars of iniquity and righteousness abounds in the heavens and we will adore and praise the name of the Lamb of God, we will sing from sphere to sphere and from heaven to heaven we'll sing the hallelujahs of those who have been washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ his servant shall serve him now the fourth point you look at this great 22nd chapter of the book of Revelation and you get down to the fourth point of this marvelous description of what God is going to do for us And they shall reign forever and ever. Did you know, beloved, when God made you in his own image, he intended for you to be a prophet and a priest and a king. Three things he wanted you to be. As a prophet, we were to proclaim his word. As a priest, we were to minister that which he had committed unto us in our intercessions with him. The priesthood of the believer was in creation, beloved. 
And finally, he tells us that we shall have a dominion and we shall be a king. A prophet and a priest and a king. And they lived and reigned with him, we're told, a thousand years. And, oh, beloved, in that great day, when curse is gone, when sin is removed, when death is forever a thing of memory and of the past, and we shall look into the face of the Lamb of God, the whole creation will do his bidding. You know, over in one of the Psalms, David says that the stars of the heavens obey his ordinances, and the moon and the sun abide according to his decree. Did you ever stop to think how obedient and faithful the Son is in carrying out the decrees of God? Did you ever stop to think how obedient and faithful this little earth is on which you and I live? Well, oh my, it's not very big. It's getting small all the time. And just think on, on Tuesday morning, we got up in the morning over there in Belfast and went out to the airport and there was a fog and we couldn't get on the plane, so they delayed it and the plane didn't leave till 9.45 a.m. Flew over to London about an hour, of course went over the IC, that's a little thing, and we got into London, you know, and the Pan American Airway held their plane for about 15 minutes and we got on it and it took us seven and one half hours to fly from London, England to the Philadelphia airport. And I'm going to take off from here one of these days and go out to uh, Japan and I'll leave here in the morning with the sunshine and I'll be in Tokyo that night. Did you ever think about the way this thing is made? This little earth moves back and forth and sun moves this way and the seasons move this way. Did you ever stop to think that the ordinances under which this old earth moves are perfectly obeyed? What do you think would happen if the old earth decided I'm not going to move this way today? What in the world do you think would happen to this old place if it just began to, to, to shake its way just a little bit and decided to have some kind of an epileptic fit or something else? Imagine this earth getting some kind of a shaking spell in connection with it. No, beloved, the ordinances of creation, they obey the decrees of our God. And when you have your redeemed body and you're a new child in Jesus Christ, beloved, and we have a new heavens and a new earth, you are going to obey the decrees and the ordinances of God. And God will use us and we shall reign with him forever and forever. And we shall praise the name of our God. Oh, beloved, what should it profit a man if he gain this whole world? You can have this world. It's sin. It's darkness. It's ruin. It's misery. It's tragedy. It's calamity. It's death. Give me heaven. Give me a place where there's no curse anymore. Give me a place where there's one person who shines above all others. His name is Jesus. Oh, beloved, give me a place where I can serve my Maker and I can do the will of my Redeemer. Oh, you young people, some of you boys and girls, I covet you, young man. You young people here, if you just take these years that you have, and there are not very many of them. We had an accident last night, and a woman of this church was flipped out like that into eternity in a crash. We have no idea what's going to happen. But I say to you young people, I say to you boys and girls, are you listening to me this morning? Who listens to this, son? You won't admit it, will you, son? 
Son, you young girls over here, your pastor covets your life and your years for Jesus Christ. Don't give them to anybody else. Don't waste them in any riotous living. Take everything that you have, young people, and give it to this Christ. He may just take you out, you know. Suppose you'd have been in that automobile last night when that crash came. Would you have been ready? And besides, if you were ready, what would you have in your hands to take? What good works? What good labors? What would you have? What would you have to show for it? Beloved, we maintain a church here. You people pay for the pews that you sit in. And you come here to this congregation to hear a preacher take the word of God and present it to you. So you can believe it. So you can have faith. So you can have comfort. So you can serve the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not the message I had here to preach to you people. I'll give you the message on the 37th Psalm some other time. But oh, beloved, we are so near the end time. We're so near that great moment when our Savior shall appear and there shall be the words that shall fall from his lips. Behold, I come quickly. I am Alpha and Omega. I'm the root and the offspring of David. All the prophecies of the centuries. I'm the bright and the morning star. All the fulfillment of creation in its glory. I am Alpha and Omega. I started it. I'll end it. And my friend, I ask you this morning, are you born again? Can you arise and say, Dr. McIntyre, I know I'm a child of God and I'm saved. And I'm separated from this apostasy of these last days. And I'm ready to take my stand and pay any price that's necessary to be true to the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, the blood that cleanses sinners and makes out of hearts which are dark and in, in awful weakness nice, clean trophies to give to Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for the message. And we know that on the other side today, some have gotten out of this place of curse. Some have gone in to see Jesus' face. Oh, Father, we might have a look at his face. Oh, this son of man, this one who towers over all the wrecks of time, this one around whom all history centers and all time is dated. Oh, we thank thee today that it is Jesus Christ who builds his church, takes care of his flock, and calls us home. Amen.